Welcome to episode 10 of the On Suspend podcast. My name is Connor Bryant. We have the whole cruise here. We got Rich Callie and Chris Giuliano. Guys, we've been adrift for, feels like a month now. We haven't all been together, but now we got, everyone's here. We're reunited. It feels so good. Yeah, it, it has been about a month, right? Uh, Rich was in Japan for a little bit. Then we uh, we took a week off and then I was in California. So yeah, it's good to be back though. It's good to be back. Yeah, Chris and I are just constantly adrift in the world. Just hard to find our place. But the Honest Podcast keeps us together. <laughs> it's the That's only it. thing keeping us together. <laughs> yeah, there's no friendship outside yeah. of that. No, not none whatsoever. You guys are physically adrift. I'm existentially adrift. Yeah. It all works out. Yeah, that seems fair. <laughs> um, so we had Eternal Weekend this past weekend. And Rich and I, we talked a lot about Legacy last weekend. We also talked about GP Shizoko. And saying it was this past weekend, it is not. It's at the end of the month. Uh, That's my Last weekend in November. So we'll we'll talk about that and we'll uh, bring it back up when it rolls actually around to the calendar. But um, yeah, this past weekend we had an eternal weekend, uh, Grand Prix Atlanta. So we've got some modern results to talk about and a Magic Online Championship Series tournament. And our upcoming tournaments, we got the Pro Tour this coming Friday. Uh, Pro Tour Digital Driver Cup. We have everyone's SCG regionals, which are modern, so check out your local regionals and maybe go play in that tournament. And I think that's it. And maybe Legacy, if you want to play some Legacy, because Legacy's great. But... Yeah, I think there's... I mean, you can always play the Legacy Challenge online if you're an online player, so that's always, mm-hmm. that's always a valid option. Mm-hmm. So let's just jump right into the Eternal Weekend stuff, just to kind of recap our Legacy discussion from last week. Rich, you and I went on a pretty deep dive into the format, just talking about all the decks and where things line up and the Rise of Dredge and how Miracles have changed, everything like that. So kind of coming from there, um, what were the results of the Eternal Weekend? Uh, So Miracles won the entire event, uh, which is pretty consistent with what we were talking about last week. I did talk about Miracles doing really well in all the Legacy Challenges and all the uh, Legacy... Five O's. It's definitely become one of the premier legacy decks, um, and it was able to beat Ad Nauseum Tendrils in the finals, which is also pretty consistent with what we were talking about last week, which is if you're really good at Ad Nauseum Tendrils, just play it. And uh, person mm-hmm. who came in second, it's Cyrus CG, shout out to him. He's a legacy grinder online. He's extremely good at the deck. He put up an impressive finish at this tournament, so... Uh, yeah, other than that, there wasn't that much storm that I saw when I was watching the coverage, but if you're really extremely good with the deck, you get some good pairings, you play really tightly, so you can do well with it. Um, but yeah, Miracles won, uh, there were some other grixis decks in the top eight, mm-hmm. and it's just a very diverse top eight overall. Honestly. Yeah, for sure. The the top eight archetypes were um, elves, and then two, um, they're labeled as turbo depths, but Rich said they're medium turbo depths very medium depths um and then miracles uh we had one check pile pilot one grixis uh control pilot sneaking show and ad nauseum tendrils so um a decent little breakdown of combo we had um five combo decks if you want to consider turbo depths a combo deck and then three fair blue decks which sounds about right like yeah definitely not too surprising yeah um 
the Miracles deck that won adapted more Graveyard Hate, as we were talking about last week. They played a Tormod's Crypt. I don't know how represented Dredge was at the event, um, but it looked like a couple of other players were prepared for Dredge. I mean, Turbo, or the the Black-Green Dark Depth deck is usually well prepared for that type of deck because they have access to Crop Rotation and Bajookabog, so they can also, and they're also playing four Surgicals in the sideboard, so that's pretty good. Um... But, yeah, uh, I think the fact that Sneak and Show did really well is pretty telling as well, because that deck is really good against just a lot of the decks that are well-positioned right now. Miracles and Grixis Control are solid decks. Sneak and Show can kind of get through them with either alternate game plans or powering through them. I mean, this deck has a main deck, Boseju, in order to really, you know... Um, Shut down the counterbalance lock or just any ability to counterspell. It also had a main deck Vendillion Click, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, a, a pretty cool, a pretty cool top eight. Yeah, for sure, definitely an interesting combination of uh, archetypes. I feel like elves we haven't seen that deck in a while. It's been kind of like creeping around, or whatever. But it's nice to see it get a, a big tournament top eight. Yeah, I think it. Um, some of the elves players have been doing well in Europe with the deck, uh, and I like some of the directions they've started going without uh, Death Eye Charmin. They still play the black, they got access to Assassin's Trophy now, which is pretty good, um, although this list is only playing one and two abrupt decays, which which makes that some sense. Um, Assassin's Trophy is not all upside. Um, so it's pretty cool to see that there. Um, it lost to Sneak and Show in the top eight, which is a pretty rough matchup for it, so... Yeah, that, that matchup seems pretty impossible. Yeah. Um, Rich, what are these decks... Or, I'm sorry, uh, Chris, rather. Which of these decks do you like? Um, I'm looking at these uh, some of these Turbo Depths decks for the first time, and it really is a very slow deck. Like, Turbo Depths, you expect, you know, you're trying to combo off on, on turn one or turn two, um, but there's no, like, you know... I don't see any dark rituals in here to try to speed it up. I don't see anything that's like really like any type of like really quick mana besides Mox Diamond. And one of them has like even cut a Mox Diamond from it. You're seeing cards instead, like um, more uh, like abrupt. There's like four abrupt decays in the main deck of the, the eighth place um, uh, list. There's three and an assassin's trophy in the, the fifth place, as well as, you know, him to Torak in addition to, Inquisition of Kozilek and, and Thought Seasons. It's a very, like, it seems like a very slow-paced um, depth uh, stack, but I kind of like that because it really gets to take advantage of, you know, Dark Confidant and, like, a card advantage, and it can play two different types of game. Like, the first one is, you know, it's going to try to set up this combo, but it also can, like, have this card advantage engine that'll eventually, like, get them into a spot where they can force through the combo no matter what, or they'll just, like, out-resource their opponent with, you know, some number of, like, just uh, Dark Confidants plus, you know, all of the him to Torok Inquisition things. Just, you like, you tear their hand apart, you draw a bunch of cards, and sometimes you might just be able to beat them down. Uh, one uh, other thing that's really cool about these decks along that point is both of these particular lists have alternate sideboard plans that they can sideboard into that are pretty different overall. Um, Matthew Diltz's deck uh, sideboards into Bitter Blossom, Lily, Last Hope. It has uh, Assassin's Trophy to get, so it can definitely slow down, turn into a mid range deck in that way. And the Turbo Depth, uh, Jake Weinman's 
uh, depth deck has Chains of Mephistopheles, Green Sun Zenith, Gattic I mean, it can, and Tireless Tracker, so it can really just transform what it's trying to do in the post-board plan and keep people guessing. So, definitely to that point, which makes it pretty cool. Yeah, both of these decks, like, or the Turbo Depths used to be, you know, pretty glass cannon as far as, like, the the main deck goes, and then sometimes you had some alternate win conditions, you know, at one point, like, the regular lands deck was playing, like, four Tireless Tracker, but these ones, like, having that extra a, a bit of interaction in the main deck gives you a little bit of play against a, a much larger field, while still being able to, you know, turn one Dark Depths, turn two, uh, or turn one Urborg or Dark Depths, turn two the other one play vampire hex mage and like instantly win. Um, it it still has that like really quick combo finish, but just kind of feels more a little bit more mid rangey. So yeah, maybe it's it's not aptly named in turbo depths, but I do kind of like the direction of of the deck and you know being more interactive. Yeah, playing so many extra creatures in the main deck as well is really good against uh, diabolic edict, which is one of the most hmm. common ways to Grixis decks have to enter the combo and. Just playing three. I, I think they're both playing three seven safekeepers. Um, yeah. yeah, just playing yeah. three seven safekeepers is great against Swordsplash as well. So they can they have like this one two punch of seven safekeeper in the Dark Confidant, which is going to generate some like uh, it's going to generate some kind of advantage over the course of the game, and it also just having the bodies in play really matter against the Diabolic Edict. I really like uh, the old. Dark Confidant, and then Crop Rotation for Sejiri Step to protect it. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> that's, that is adorable. I love that. Yeah, that uh, that's awesome. And the average CMC in this deck is, like, incredibly low. It's like 0.8 or something. So it's, they're really not going to be taking much damage off of it. Yeah, for sure. Seven Safety Bill, like you said, it's even nice against the Eda to fact because they can't point to Lightning Bolt at it, really. Yep. Like it's just, they can't ever really get around it, which is nice. Totally. Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff going on. The check pile deck is interesting, I guess. The mana base, though, is... What is going on here? He's got one forest, one island, one swamp, and his deck that has three him to Torok, eight blue cantrips. Uh, God, what is going on? It has Baleful Tricks, too, so like you're not even casting them on turn two all the time with like just by drawing dual lands. I mean... Like Badlands Bayou doesn't cast it. Uh, it's it's a little the mana base is a little rocky. Leovold is probably worth the stretch. Leovold's still incredibly powerful. When I was testing Sultai pretty aggressively, Leovold was by far the most impressive card in that deck. Um, it's still definitely a house in Legacy, but stretching a mana base like this is, seems absurd to me. But you don't have that much of that Rug Delver stifle action going on. You know, uh, people are trying to beat you up with back to basics and just by having force and swamp in your deck as well as some rope up to case or assassin trophies you can answer that aspect of the deck so maybe just the manner of which people are attacking mana these days uh doesn't lead to this deck getting punished much i mean none of these decks in the top eight really punish this deck that much at all in terms of its mana base so are there any wastelands in this top uh, eight? the depth deck have them Two, yeah, two, two and three. Yeah. yeah, they have three okay. and one and two in the other. So it's not even a full set of wastelands each deck. Yeah, so it's not. But those, those are more anti wasteland wastelands. Totally. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, or Krakus or whatever. So yeah, um, is yeah. there a big reason why there aren't any like Delver decks? Like we saw Delver basically take over the format and sit as the number one deck for. Well, forever, really. Like it's been those it years. We've like since Delver got printed. There's always been a Delver deck sitting at the top of the, the 
the top tables like constantly and I don't I don't see any in the yeah in the top eight so, here. It's... So we talked about this last week. I don't think the Delver decks right now are that well positioned. I I don't think the Grixis Delver deck is actually that good overall. I mean it's a fine deck and it has some powerful starts, but the mana base is kind of rocky. It's like the game plan isn't that much better than just playing Grixis Control, as I've been testing the two, where I felt like I just want, like I've been a slower deck when I'm playing the Grixis Delver deck, and I'd rather just be, uh, be a control deck at that point. Um, and there's no other standout Delver decks right now. We talked about Death Shadow last week not being super well positioned, and I, don't, I still don't think that's very true. I think people are adapting to that. Um, it's just another de- it's just another Delver deck, right? <laughs> it's just another Delver deck, exactly. Um, and I just think people are playing a ton of removal right now, and the removal people are playing is pretty good. Back to Basics is pretty good against that deck. Um, so the other Delver decks are like Rug Delver, which is always going to be fine. I mean, Stifle's not super great, but it's it's okay. It'd be good against the Shekbile deck, for sure. So maybe if that pops up more, you know, maybe we'll see more Stifle Wastelands. Um, but yeah, there's just not not a really good Delver deck right now, which which is a nice change of pace, honestly. Um, maybe it would be nice if Miracles wasn't still the best deck after 15 years, but um, yeah, I mean, it, once people start adapting to that, I think Miracles could go down uh, more because it it is. I think I do think it is hateable. What do you think are like the the best ways to attack this Miracles deck? Like, what's something that if you're playing Miracles, there's like you just never want to run into. Okay, I never want to run into Sneak and Joe with Poseidon, so I'm not shocked <laughs> that deck did well, but I don't know what they lost to in the quarters. Um, Winter Orb's buff. I really don't like seeing Winter Orb. Leovolt? Le- Leovolt's very good against the deck. Um, so that it makes sense yeah. that that would pop up as well. So there's a variety of things that you'd uh, that still have play against it, so it's definitely something you could, could attack. Totally. Right. Yeah, it's um, interesting to see the, the Delver deck trying to fall out of favor. Because there's really nothing in that space, in that sphere, right? There's nothing that's like, oh, I'm a tempo deck that's putting pressure on the format. You know, it's like the disruptive decks are very disruptive, and if you're not disruptive, you are a disruptive combo deck. Like, is Storm almost the new Delver deck? Is that weird? Um, maybe it Storm is definitely more disruptive than a lot of other combo decks. I mean, the fact that mm. it plays so much discard, it has a, like it has this transitional game plan, it can be slow, fast, it can kind of do whatever it wants. Um, Grixis Control is honestly playing the role of a Delver deck. It doesn't get the pressure out really early, but the fact that Gromag Angle can just come down, you know, on turn three after like, mm. a Hindertalk with some counter backup, the fact that like it just has all of this disruption. I mean, it's it's really keeping some decks in check because it's just such a solid deck. It's just attacking everything from like a, this angle, but that's just like I'm gonna generate card advantage. I'm gonna remove your things, and I'm going to apply pressure while disrupting you. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it. I, I agree with you guys. Uh, it is weird not to see a Delver deck dominate Legacy because Grixis Delver did it for so long. But, yeah, we'll see what people come up with. Yeah, for sure. It'll definitely be interesting to see where the format goes. And we've got GP Shizuoka at the end of the month. So yeah. I, I love another Legacy tournament to check in on. Huh? Yeah. I, I did see one more note on that. I did see a couple of Sultai Delver decks going around with Assassin's Trophy that I think are very promising. And we'll see if people, you know, keep developing that. I'm going to try them myself and see how good they are. So I, I think Delver is a really solid Tier 2 deck that, 
the metagame works around, it could really move up. Or if they find really good versions of these decks. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, let's talk some standards. So we had the standard mocks that happened this past weekend. Um, just like a monthly tournament, so uh, no top eight playoff or whatever. Just anyone sits to or better qualifies for the quarterly tournament. Um, this tournament was pretty interesting. It was dominated by the card planes. There was a lot of basic planes in this deck. Um, the most played cards in the far- in the top thirty two or the the posted deck results were Adanto, Vanguard, and History of Penalia. And those darts kind of formed the spine of all of these different white aggressive decks that just went underneath the format. Um, they have pretty different looks to a lot of them. Almost all of them are Boros, and they have four heroic reinforcements, as they are only real red cards in the main deck. Sometimes they're sideboarding um, experimental frenzies or whatever, but very one-drop heavy between 12 and 16 at least. Um one drops and just trying to get underneath the format and really put a talk on people and the is it drake decks popped up and did pretty well we had some boros angels as well that did pretty pretty solidly um but yeah i think the white weenie deck is really the the story of this tournament yeah this is this is everywhere i've been uh playing a decent amount of magic arena uh recently i've kind of really enjoyed the the platform for it um and i built a a red white heroic reinforcements deck and i don't have all of the cards for it so it's it's not always like the up to snuff like standard deck but i've been really really impressed with the card heroic reinforcements it's you know, it, it's a four mana sorcery sp- uh, speed spell in like an aggro deck where you really don't want to be you you have you have to cast it before you attack because you know it creates two one one soldiers gives them and then gives all of your creatures plus one plus one in haste. Um, so like if it's just by itself, it's like a it's four mana for four power haste and then you leave two bodies behind. But like in combination with any amount of like even like two creatures earlier, you just put a a, a ton of pressure on immediately. You just kill people out of nowhere. Anytime you get into a board stall where you just get to go a little bit wider than them, heroic reinforcements usually comes down and just like, you can deal massive amounts of damage around the edges. I found this card to be like quite good, especially like getting into the spot where, you know, maybe you're playing against green black and they're able to get down one or two creatures that just kind of get in the way of your normal aggressive starts. Um, But yeah, I've, I'm really impressed with these white weenie decks, and I, I definitely have a, a plan on playing them for a little bit just to, to get a, a real feel for them. Plus, they have, like, Takatli Honor Guard as, like, their main way to fight against green-black, and that card is very good against green-black. Yeah, Honor Guard's kind of like the answer. It's so hard for them to deal with. Yeah, I have to imagine that's part of the reason we're seeing such an aggressive downtick in the amount of Golai we've been seeing recently. It's just people, I, like, I've heard people talk about playing... Uh, what's the two mana cast down uh, in their decks in order to answer to Kotliana Guard, but it's really their only good answer to it in the early game, and uh, Guard is just really, really good right now. Yeah, there's only three Dodari mid-range decks, I think, in this tournament, which is, I mean, two weeks ago there was like eight Dodari decks on top of the Moto PTQ or something, so <laughs> yeah. the format's really turned on its head, like, it's a cool bizarre to see. change. It's cool to see a format like this, and like it, like we have the the pro tour coming up this weekend. But it's cool to see a format that has been like constantly changing, constantly evolving over the last couple of weeks. It's every single week you see something fresh, you see something new. Um, a like whether it be these 
you know, 20 Planes White Weenie decks playing with Experimental Frenzies and Banefires in the sideboard, or, like, these Is It Spell decks with, you know, uh, Arclight Phoenix and Crackling Drake just going over the top of a lot of things, like, killing real quick, almost like a like a combo deck. It's, it's cool to see new decks uh, show up pretty consistently. Yeah, for sure, and just archetypes that just didn't exist at all, you know what I mean, and and it like there's been a lot of that um, kind of rotation in the format where people are be like there's a good suite of answers and threats and you can kind of find the things that line up well for the week. I'm really excited for the pro tour. I'm really yeah. excited to see what these decks look like, and also just like the Drake decks, like the blue red spells decks have. There's a million different ways to build them, so I'm really interested to see what people settle on. Like there's like you can play four Enigma Drake, four Crackling Drake, and four Arclight Phoenix, and just be um, and then play like crash through and cards like that to really just try to do that thing as fast as you can. Or you can be kind of like a more flexible blue red deck and have Goblin Electromancer instead of Enigma Drake. Like the the, the versions that top aided the GP last weekend um, between Lil and New Jersey were pretty different. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see where that archetype kind of settles. I, yeah, feel- I kind of like. Yeah, go for it. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say I feel the same is true with the history of Vanalia decks, too. I mean, we're seeing a lot of history of Vanalia here, and you have the the Boris Angels decks being good history of Vanalia decks. You have the White Weenie decks. So all these decks are kind of, like, built differently based on what they're expecting, too. So I just I, to that point, I just feel like there's just a lot of deck-building diversity in this format. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and just, like, so much customization, too. Right. So much customization. It's really cool. I've never, I don't remember a standard format that's been like this, where it's like, not only are there new art types, it's like, there's four ways to build an art type. And no one's really settled on it. And it's like, it's not like, not, people aren't focusing on it. It's not like no one cares about this format. You know what I mean? Uh, so. th- this format is incredibly popular on uh, bo- all, both online platforms, but as well as like actual like tournaments, people are, people are excited to be playing standard again, which is, it's nice because we've had such a, a, a dry spell of standard being either uh, easily solved or just kind of boring. We had like the same sets in standard for, for too long. Um, and now everything's kind of exciting. Just yeah. Every, every single thing that I, I, I see so far, I'm like, Oh, I can play that deck. I'd enjoy that. Yeah. I'd enjoy that deck. I'd enjoy that deck. <laughs> You'll get the white weenie deck. So you can pick four different ways to build it. And all of them are like definitely viable ways like you can go a little bit wider you can go you know more over the top if you want to play some type of you know uh the, like the the first week we had uh, a red white angels deck and people were just saying you know a red white angels probably not going to stick around and now i see you know the fifth place of this the the standard mocks is it says boros aggro but it's you know an angels based deck there's four mm-hmm. resplendent angel four or three aurelia three lyra and it's just like that same exact, you know, play powerful card of mythics along the curve is, is still quite good. Yeah, and they really got an upgrade too because like their two drops at the beginning of the format were um, Adante Vanguard and Knight of Glory and they had like Deafening Clarion or whatever. But adapting with Tukatli Honor Guard is their two drop because it just doesn't hit any of their cards. Um, I think yeah. it's been a real big boon for that deck. Yeah, and that, like, that just couldn't beat Nogari. Nogari was an impossible. They couldn't time. beat like the first ravenous Chupacabra, and with Takali mm-hmm. on guard, like they don't have now. Their uh, the Golgari decks are struggling to like deal with their Aurelias and Lyras, which just beat them over the top because everything in the Golgari deck is on the ground. So like flyers are obviously really good against it, 
but their way to deal with flyers is just four ravenous chupacabras and loop them with fine finalities and whatnot. And now they, they can't really do that. And finality doesn't kill all these five toughness um, angels. So it's, it's cool to see a deck that came out of the gate really strong, but wasn't expected to stick around, kind of uh, adopt that Takatli Honor Guard tech, um, maybe the Rekindling Phoenix tech, and now all of a sudden it just looks like it absolutely crushes Golgari when it couldn't beat it in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the two Immortal Sons in the sideboard of this deck too. So it's like, post-board against Golgari, you can bring these in, and it's another card that's like hard for them to answer. They have to find the right answer to it, and it just provides a ton of advantage going long. Yeah, that card's really sweet. I also think that's probably decent against, like, Jeskai Control or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It 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 helps, you know, out card advantage them when they're going to be expansion and explosioning, and you're able to just, ca- like, draw more cards, cast them easier, and you, they can never tuck the Mortal Sun away with uh, Teferi because they can't activate the thing. So it's like, it shuts down the main win condition of Jeskai, which is for Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. Yeah, they don't have a ton of answers to non-land permanents, really. I think they have, like, negate and sometimes, like, uh, an excellent uh, binding or disdainful strokes. And, like, yeah, outside they, of that, I don't... They have one cleansing nova that they can do. Oh, yeah, cleansing and... nova. I forgot that is uh, the second line. Destroys <laughs> artifacts, too? Oh, yeah. Draw artifacts and enchantments. and enchantments. That's cool. Yeah, yeah choose one. Okay, so, yeah. they, so they have a little bit of play to it, but a lot of the ways to, like, dig to that normally would be, like, Teferi. Um, yeah, not have, much play, it, though. Yeah, it's it's what maybe four cards and three of them rely on them not like stopping them from resolving it i guess like they have all of their counter spells um but yeah it's it's like if that thing lands they have a one cleansing nova and one excellence binding as far as like the most recent one goes speaking of jeskai how do you guys feel about the four revitalize in the main deck of this jeskai deck uh honestly at first, I looked at it and I was like, "Wow, the card seems pretty bad." But the more I think about it, um, it, it makes a lot of sense. It kind of fits that spot where you like have two mana and you want to do something with it. Um, so it's like it's a cantrip. You dig into your deck a little bit more. Uh, it makes crackling Drake a little bit better, and you're gaining th- that three life you gain is actually very important against the the mono red decks in the format where they're looking to to, to burn you out with lightning strikes and shocks after you stabilize or tr- stabilize the board with deafening clarion and like you know, holding up whatever essence scatters you have. Um, I, I, f- I feel like that card it keeps them out of like banefire range as well. It just it it seems very important and like. Oddly enough, I actually think that the the three life is is super super relevant, and I, it makes like a lot of sense to play revitalize over something like um, the the jumpstart spell. What was it uh, radical, radical idea? idea? Yeah, radical idea. I did I, see like a split. I did see like two revitalize, one radical idea, like one search for Dante. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah, I could split those up and not be too punished. But I do like having some amount some amount of revitalize. Yeah, I I think that. There's definitely a reason why this Jeskai Control player played all four of those and didn't split it up, and I think it's because of how important those that like three life or maybe six life is at like um, early in the game. Like you don't see a lot of other things. What what are what are these decks doing at two mana? Like at one point they'd probably be playing lightning strikes and shocks. Um, so against those more like uh, aggressive decks, but they're basically just trying. They're not. They don't want to like. They don't want to go turn one, like, opt, turn two, lightning strike your guy, turn three, deafening clarion, because then you've kind of, like, 
just paid a little you could have paid a little bit of life and gotten like swept up everything the deafening clarion so this one just curves way better with it it's like oh if they want to overextend into deafening clarion they can revitalize will give me that a little extra life buffer that they would have lost earlier and then they want to apply more pressure because i have a little more life and then deafening clarion sweeps up more so it's like it just i think it just works really well with uh the rest of the deck mm-hmm. yeah the synergy with the sweepers is interesting especially yeah. with all these like boro stacks running around where they have heroic reinforcements and stuff so it's like you kind of have to be careful so you don't get like heroic reinforcements or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. Having that little bit of buffer is nice. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to really overextend into a sweeper, but if your opponent's just going to spend two mana and gain like three life, and then and draw a card, and then like dig a little bit longer, hold up mana for a counter spell, and then do the same thing again, you kind of have to start applying more pressure, like. When they're when they're starting life total, each game is going to be twenty three or twenty six. You really have to get the the gas pedal moving, and like, well, like <laughs> that runs you right into Clarion. So I don't know. I like it. I think I I personally like it. And looking at it in this list, it, it just makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so yeah, I I think that card's very good. Even I don't think even if it's not good by itself, I think it makes a lot of sense in that that strategy. Here's a question for you two. Um, there's been a noted lack, as far as I can see, of Searchlight Scanter overall. Why has that current card been trending down so much in these deck lists? It still seems very powerful, and you see you'll see one popping up in a, a lot of these deck lists in the sideboard, but it doesn't seem like it's a main deck strategy anymore. Um, what has made that card worse in this metagame? Uh, I guess Field of Ruin is like a card that's really good in the command, like the control mirrors or whatever. I haven't so maybe seen it's any like not Field as of Ruins, big though. Yeah, same Does here. Does the Jeskai deck have any or no? The Jeskai deck isn't playing any. No. Neither are the Is It decks that I see. I I honestly I don't just, know. Um, the I think... only deck that has Field of Ruin is the Demir control deck. Okay. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. That card is very, very powerful and wins the game by itself. It gives you something to do on turn two, like on the play. Um, is there, maybe there's something they're missing. Um, but I I don't see a reason why there are so few uh, Search for Escantis going around. I haven't been playing enough with these 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 blue base decks but it was like the most power one of the most powerful cards in last standard and super important to to have in like at least one in every game yeah it, I it thought, basically won the game by itself i thought that would transfer over to this format pretty cleanly uh, even more so than i expected chain Bowler because uh you know you had motivation to be other colors except just mono red uh, but such doesn't really seem like it had a drop off in power but maybe there's just something going on in the format that makes such a little inefficient. Even looking at some of the GP de- uh, decks from two weeks ago, one at most has been in these main decks, except for one deck that had two. But it's really, it really hasn't been showing up much. I I have a hard time thinking that it's like they just don't want to invest the mana in it. But I guess if your opponents are playing like nineteen planes or something, I don't think Search for Contest is great, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not really sure why that card is kind of falling off. Yeah, it'll be I've... interesting to see if it makes a resurgence at the Pro Tour, though. I could definitely see it kind of popping back in, especially if people um, tend towards these Jeskai decks, which, like, I mean, this is like an old stereotype, but like the Pro Tour is always like, like it just until like five years ago, everyone started playing mono red, but it was always <laughs> yeah. like, oh, people play more control at the PT or whatever. 
Yeah. But, so maybe search comes back a little bit, but yeah, it'll be uh, to that end. It'll be interesting to see what like the players that always bring control decks, like uh, Gil Mafatapa, Gil Matignon. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many searches they're playing in their deck. Um, I'm sure there's just something we're missing, or just like some quality of the format that makes search not really work well. But um, I, I, I'll be maybe uh, they'll talk about it at the Pro Tour. We can get a feel for what's going on. Yeah, it's definitely definitely odd. We're searching for search for Tanta. Oh yeah, we're we're digging hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the the format is definitely interesting. Like. You have these Dodari decks and kind of like the specter of the Dodari deck because it's kind of fallen off the last few weeks, but it still feels like the baseline kind of style deck for the format. Like, you have to be prepared for it, you know, and there's definitely people at the PT who have been playing Dodari the entire time and are just going to play that deck no matter what and have a really good list and sideboard plan and everything, Um, but it hasn't been doing well. So it'll be interesting to see how much people respect it, like... How much to Kali Honor Guard will we see main deck? Like, are people just going to build the Dardari decks to have way more Assassin's Trophies or Cast Towns or something to kind of make dealing with the Honor Guard even easier? Or like, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this format exactly shakes out and how these the pros build these decks. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it should be a good weekend of Magic. Yeah, I'm hyped. I didn't... Tournament starts Friday, East Coast time, so it's like the perfect viewing window. Get to watch all day while I'm at work. Oh, yeah. That's right. nice. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that the Pro Tour was this weekend until it was brought up today. I've been kind of out of the area, so it's <laughs> I feel like the only fun. way I know is when people are like, hey, do you want to go to SCG Regionals? I'm like, oh, it must be Pro Tour weekend. Like, <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> yeah, the Regionals are this weekend. Oh, the PT must also be this weekend. yeah agreed Agreed. yeah yeah we're all on the same page on that one i think (laughs) all right speaking of the great city of atlanta there was a modern gp there last week um taken down by bant spirits this guy has just been crushing the for the last few gps right i think it won andre stowski got like first and then like second or something earlier this uh year and and it's just been crushing and I don't know. Rich, what do you think about this Bad Spirit stack that took first place? I loved it a few weeks ago. I still love it now. Silic seems like a really good choice. Um, and it's, looking at the top eight of this, I'm not shocked it did well. It just These are the kind of decks that it's kind of excelling against. I mean, I, there's two Ironworks deck, and this deck gets to play like all of the good cards against Ironworks. Rest in Peace, Stony's Islands, you know, Dahlia. So it basically has all of these good pieces. Um, the tech of adapting Reflective Mage, that seems extremely good in modern. Reflective Mage is just such an extraordinary magic card, and cutting Path Exiles for it in your collective company deck just makes so much sense to me. So, no, I, I love this list. I love this deck still. Um, so, yep, really cool to see it win the tournament again. Mm-hmm. We talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I feel like... Oh, go ahead. Before, oh, I was going to say, we talked about it on our first, uh, one of our first couple of podcasts there. We were just saying, like, no, this this Bant Spirits deck seems like a real deck, and it's it's starting to take over in the spot of humans a little bit as being like the noble hierarch deck. And uh, looking at it as far as the results of this this Grand Prix uh, in Atlanta, there was way more Bant Spirits than there were humans, and I, I think it's finally like kind of solidified its spot as the like 
tempo type of aggressive um like the noble hierarch deck the noble hierarch yeah the noble hierarch deck yeah yeah Yeah, and so looking at the results it looks like they have five banned spirits decks in the top 32 and one human deck so yeah that's uh, that's nothing to scoff at it's pretty impressive yeah for sure the one humans deck had tajik the new tajik i love that it's interesting i know jerry t was rubbing it but it's definitely an interesting uh addition yeah. But yeah, the the band deck's really good. I think Knight of Autumn is a big add too. Mm. I mean, just getting a way better Reclamation Sage in your deck is pretty nice. And totally, Bant Spirits really takes advantage of the body really well too. Like the the Spirits deck, it's a good racing deck, but it's not like its creatures get very large. So doing that four three body where you can kind of trade off with Hollow Ones or whatever is pretty nice. Or just gain four. I mean, when when I was playing the deck a lot, like uh, e- even against humans, like the game plan was so often just attack them in the air for some damage, jump block with some of your ground dudes, and just rinse and repeat until you get them dead. Um, and one of the things that makes this deck so good, it's just, not only is its sideboard just, at its core, really powerful, it just always plays, like, all of the really good white haymakers, it can also just play any of these, like, really powerful sideboard cards. It gets counter spells, it gets haymakers, it gets really diverse cards, it can really just do a lot. Um, so it just continues to be an impressive deck. Yeah, very flexible deck too in what it like its game plans and um, how it uses its mana and everything. And I mean, the flash element for this deck is very real. You know, like it's a it's a, definitely a big upside for the deck. Yeah, definitely. Um, kind of like you were saying, Rich, the Ironworks decks kind of popped back into the format, and we saw a lot of Moxable decks actually. There was two Ironworks decks. Um, and a Hardenstale's deck in the top. Hardenstale deck in the top eight, um, and the Hardenstale's deck. There's a pretty decent representation all the way down to the top thirty-two. Um, what's your thoughts on the rise of these kind of artifact combo decks after we kind of saw them fall off for a little bit, but they seem to be back. I think. Yeah, I, oh, go ahead. Look, uh, I, uh, I think that they're obviously super powerful and really tough to interact with and i don't think they'll ever leave the format until something something gets banned from them um you know ancient stirrings makes them extremely consistent as well as every single card in their deck being a cantrip (laughs) uh so i i was surprised that they fell off even though you know people want once you want to hate a deck in in modern um you can definitely bring enough sideboard like geared towards it to to shore up the matchup a bit short up a bit um but even that, like, with a lot of hate, like, Ironworks is still able to, to fight through a lot of it. So I was kind of actually surprised that they it disappeared um, for a short period of time, and it, it showing back up, is to me, is not very surprising. I think it's an incredibly good deck. It's really tough to interact with, um, and it's just very powerful. It can go off as, as early as turn three or whatever, and... So, so part of the reason I think it might have gone down a little bit is, and I'll, I've never played this matchup, but I bet Iwork has some trouble against blue-white control. I mean, they have a lot of dead, like, medium removal spells, but counter spells seem pretty good against Ironworks. You can just position them pretty well, and that deck plays Field of Ruin in order to get some of their value lands, and then also plays the white haymakers out of the sideboard that just end the, the game, basically. Rest in peace and Stony Silence being them. Um, it has been a big downturn in uh, blue-white control, and there's been a big upturn in, over the past few weeks in Dredge, 
And I bet Ironworks is actually very good against Dredge. I mean, you can Ancient Historians into your Artifact uh, Graveyard Hate out of the sideboard. You also have a really proactive turn three kill. Um, so maybe that has something mm-hmm. to do with it. And they have four Nature's Claim in the board for um, the Leyland of Blades that will come in. Totally. Um, I think Psy, too, is just like been such a huge addition for the deck because even when you're not comboing, you can kind of like generate a bunch of value off these cards that are just cantrips or whatever. Um, and I think Piotr in the top eight beat a ley line by just having Psy in play and then drawing KCI and just being like, all right, crack my star, go find, like, didn't do another one and just made like eight Thopters or whatever is enough to win. Yeah. Um, Five. Psy is, is, is very good. Um, it does exactly what that deck wanted to do, wants it to do out of the board. It's, it's, you know, a one, four is a, is a pretty big body and tough to, to lightning bolt down and any other like decks. It just, it creates a whole bunch of chump blockers against people who are like really aggressive as well as giving, um, a clock against people who are bringing in other pieces of hate. It's like, yeah, they may have stony silence. You may have no ley line in the void, but you play Psy, then you just cast all of your spells anyway. Your your mox opals are zero mana, make a, a thopter, um, chromatic spheres and stars, one mana, make a thopter, make a thopter. Like you just you just go off and, and win anyway. Mm-hmm. It kinda I gets mean, just, around everything. Even if you're not like going infinite, just the if you just have strap trawler and Psy in play and a mox opal, you didn't do a lot. Because then you're like Alright, sack my Moxable plus this other star, and then get my Moxable back. Now it comes into play and makes mana, so you're paying like basically one mana to draw two cards, made a Thopter, and like get, get a card yeah. back, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. you can just really chain off, even without finding KCI. So it just gives you so much flexibility, and at like very little cost, you have four blue sources in your deck... And, but you have all the sphere and star and terrarian effects to yeah, and, to make sure you're good and, and multiple too and ancient stirrings to find all of those pieces. <laughs> there's yep. just there's a lot of consistency. I I kind of like the addition of spine of Isha showing up too. Ooh, I love mm-hmm. spine. Um, it just it it gives everyone or it gives that like I think it was only in one of the decks. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter has it. He's had it in all of his uh, KCI lists. Uh, it appeared on Moto. Yeah, it it just I, I like that idea of having that one tutorable effect that will deal with anything. Like kind of makes it feel more like a, a Tron deck in that spot where it's like, oh you have permanence, you know, I have answers. Mm-hmm. Um but I It also sets up a really nice loop, I think, where you can just like um go infinite very easily with it with like KCI and stuff. Oh like I've, that. I've like, done like, that with so many trawler chance. I've done that so many times in EDH, it's so nice. <laughs> All right, get out of here, you weeb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, something I wanted to bring up, we were talking earlier about, like, you know, powerful sideboard cards against this. Uh, super surprising, but um, the, the site we're looking at here has all the top cards, and what were what were the highest copies of cards in the top 32 of this tournament? And the number one card that was played in this tournament was Nature's Claim. There was 50 copies of Nature's Claim in the top 32, which means and says 46.88, so almost 47% of the decks played uh, some number of Nature's Claims. The next closest is Lightning Bolt, and it's like 9% behind it. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, what? <laughs> just a lot I, of good artifacts and enchantments that you have to kill, yeah, I guess. I Ironworks combo... Uh, hardened scales or things you'd want that against. 
Um, Hollowed One, I guess you could technically you'd be like a lot of these decks are going to be boarding in against Hollow One because it kills Hollow Ones as as well as Leyline of the Void. It's very flexible, being able to kill any you know artifact or enchantment. So you definitely you'll see it in the sideboard of Infect because the life gain doesn't matter. You'll see it in the sideboard of Ironworks. Um, you probably see it in the sideboard of Hardened Scales as well. They're just it's it's so flexible that all of the the Ancient Stirrings decks are going to be playing it, as well as any type of um, graveyard-based deck that has access to green, like, uh, I believe, Dredge or or Bridgevine may play some number of them. I'm not 100% sure, though. They, I kinda, I, they, they could be playing just Assassin's Trophies, but I think at least Dredge would probably play some number of them. The 10th place list is playing four of them in the board. There's a lot of Nature's Claims yeah, going around. Yeah, super good. Yeah. I'm just uh, really cheap, like, answers like that always seem like they're going to do really well in Modern. Um, I mean, on this list as well as, like, Leyline of the Void, it's just, just these cards that cost zero, one mana, that interact favorably on key turns or can shut down the game. Just, those kind of cards are just so good in Modern. Nature's Claim is, I think, the reason you see even more, like, Nature's Claims over, like, Haymaker cards like Leyline of the Void or whatever. It's because Nature's Claim is also really diverse, and you don't have to adjust your game plan for Nature's Claim or like all again yeah, the Nature's it's, Claim. It's just very surprising when you look at the list of top cards here. It's you know Nature's Claim is in first place by a very large margin, and then and then it's like Lightning Bolt, Ancient Stirrings, Noble Hierarch, Mox Opal, Faithless Looting, Path to Exile, Walking Ballista. Those are the next ones, and those are all like main deck staples of the format. These are things that are like in every top strategy takes advantage of one of these cards, you know, and every single top strategy takes advantage of of one of those. But then, like, and also nature's claim. nature's claim sitting on top of all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the, the crown champ is this this sideboard card that just deals with random permanence. <laughs> all of these cards, besides, I guess, damping sphere and walking blister or whatever. But the other eight cards are zero or one mana. Like Rich said, like, yeah, even damping sphere is just like a insane hate card or whatever. Yeah, and uh, walking blister is technically zero. I was gonna say it's technically yeah. zero. And also in the top eight, we see bridge vine, in which its case it's literally a zero drop. So, mm. I feel like people should be playing um, some split of walking blister and um, what is the new one from Guilds of Ravnica? The chamber century. Yeah, somehow chamber centuries. So no one mana creature that stays around. I love that card. That card's sweet. It is definitely sweet, and you can get it pretty big, and you can make five colors. So maybe, maybe you can rebuy it if you live the dream. Yeah, that seems nice. I like the sound of that. Just like some kind of split. Brian Gottlieb put out an article about that card, chamber century, and saying that he's like been playing it in every single one of his standard decks recently, and it's a bit surprising to me. But I know it. You can't really like underestimate um, some Probably of these, these cards. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think he also talked about in his last podcast about how he's been doing that, and it hasn't been going super well. So <laughs> okay, so you know what? That's right. I haven't read or listened to the last podcast, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, it's still like an X spell creature, and you gotta you gotta keep an eye on it because if it's if it's an if it's an artifact and it has an X in its cost, it's like you probably should think about how. Uh, how this could potentially influence the format because those type of cards are, have been historically very flexible. Yeah. yeah, if a card is absurd and limited, it might be absurd and constructed too. 
yeah, that, like, that, that, that was how like I played as Wadi Ballista in the Aether Revolt pre-release, and I was like, "Holy Jesus, this tar is unbeatable! Like, how do you ever beat this tar?" Like, <laughs> yeah, that's even. Uh, yeah, and Brian Brian was using the and uh, Venerate locks it on deck, which I really liked too. He was just like, "Oh, I oh, want more one drops. Oh, that's cool. More one drops in my Legion's Landing. Venerate locks it on deck. And you're like, oh, now you can. Yeah, that sounds better. Shoot a two-two now." Um, but you're going deep. <laughs> I really like the I really like this one blasphemous act in the sideboard of the bridge the bridgevine deck. That is adorable. Like, spicy. Yeah. I mean Blasphemous Deck is a nice one, a one mana wrath. <laughs> I mean Tum- mm-hmm. Tuminus has been great in modern recently, so Yeah. Yeah, I can it's definitely good against like humans or whatever. And if they medley mage it, they're geniuses. But <laughs> that is masterful. You have to be uh, so far ahead, <laughs> like <laughs> mentally, and in order to do that, I have, I have no idea how you like get to the spot where you're like, you know what, this is the one to name. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to the four assassin trophies. Yeah, you'd have to be deep in the tank. Yeah, yeah, that's some galaxy brain stuff right there. Oh yeah. Um, Look. I love the necrotic one too. That's a cool yeah. pickup from uh, guilds. Yeah, me too. That seems really good. Sweet addition. There's also but... like. Uh, an interesting thing that happened in this Grand Prix is I only see uh, two things of uh, a Tron showing up in the top 32, but multiple copies of Valakut decks. There's a, a Titan Breach deck and a couple of Red Green Valakut decks. So I think maybe there's only there's like three of them. There's like not a, a about the same percentage of big mana decks as you would uh, expect, but it seems Valakit made a little bit of a comeback. Do you think there's uh, any reason behind seeing more Valakit here than something like Tron? Are people like just more ready for Tron? Or uh, Valakit? I think uh, I'll just take this one one, one quick second. Valakit sidesteps the Stony Silences that kind of hose Tron a little bit, and people are really like gunning for that kind of stuff. So I could see that mm-hmm. being a reason. Um, it also, also damping sphere. Yeah, totally. It also gets to play damping sphere. Not only does it like dodge it, it gets to play it, and yeah, so that that's really good. Yeah, the last time I played Valakut, I had multiple damping spheres in my sideboard, and it it was very important in helping out with the, the storm matchups and whatnot. And it was very powerful too. Um, it, it basically was irrelevant against my against the deck. So yeah, I I I'm kind of like happy to see it. Valakut's one of my one of my favorite decks, and something that you know I'm. Always willing to like sleeve up, so yeah, it's just cool to see that it's it's cool to see it it show up again um, when it has been kind of under the radar or like off the completely off the um, the the top late the top lists for quite some time. What's nice about it too, though, is it. I mean, we saw kind of like big mana doing well, like two Amulet Titans decks played in the finals of a SG Open a few weeks back, and we've seen more and more big mana decks and Valka is a big mana deck, but it's to sidestep not only all the hate, but also it's really good against the other big mana decks. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it traditionally is very good against Tron, it's probably pretty good against Amulet Titan, especially if you have Damping Sphere in your sideboard. Um, it's always been really good against Dredge, not that it's a big mana deck, but just in general. Great against Dredge. I, that, um, that's probably another reason, too, because Dredge has been really good in these past few weeks. We don't see a lot of copies here, but I think people are just going for it, and they're really trying to shut it down. Yeah. Red Green Valakut gets to play main deck Anger of the Gods and main deck Relic of Genesis yeah. because like neither of them affect the deck at all. 
and both of them are quite good against like random decks. Like Relic of Virginitas at worst is going to be a cantrip in a deck that you want to see as much of your deck as, or a good a portion of your deck. Um, and you know, Anger of the Gods is just if you look at the the top field here, it's great against. I think it's great against Bant Spirits. Um, they ha- obviously have some some answers to it, but it, it's it's good enough to to clean up with a little when you have a little bit of extra mana there. Um, it's it's probably decent against all the small creatures in Hollow One and in the main deck at least. Uh, it's great against Dredge and Bridgevine, so I I, don't know, I I like that. I like the pick. I seeing seeing that deck uh, uptick a little bit. I I, I do. I uh, think that that was a good choice on the weekend. Whether it's a great choice moving forward is a different question because you don't really know how people are going to adapt to this world that seems like it's run by Bant Spirits and um, some of these other combo decks. But this actually seems like a pretty fairly balanced uh, top 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone's trying to kill you pretty quickly. Yeah. Not, not not fair, fairly balanced. Right, it's actually <laughs> like, balanced there's, there's fairly. No, yeah, there's no <laughs> deck that really came out as like the top uh showing deck I guess it's like Bant Spirits put up the most number of decks. Uh, it's like four yeah. or five. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That sounds so. it sounds like modern. It sounds like we've gotten yeah. back to this point. I think Blue White honestly did a really good job at like condensing the top of the field. Uh, for the few weeks where Blue White was definitely one of those decks to beat, and then we saw like five or six of the same decks do really well consistently across GPs and SCG opens, and now I guess Blue White's fallen off, and uh, would have seen a lot of different decks here. I mean, this is a super diverse top 32, and the top eight even has seven different archetypes, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super diverse, and a lot of interesting choices i mean we saw even like the is it there's like one copy of the is it phoenix deck in top 32 which has been really popular in magic online and people have been really trying to to push that card my opinion on it is like i think arclight phoenix is a really powerful card um but i think the core around it isn't quite there um i think like trying to do the whole like fiery temper thing is a little bit weird to me um i i understand why it's there but i just think that your deck just you have these draws where you're just super synergistic and everything works, but then when you when you don't have those draws, your deck is unplayable. It is horrible. <laughs> in, in a and, in a really weird way, it feels like a very inconsistent blue red wizards deck, right? They're like trying to play extra lightning bolts for one mana, but like blue red wizards, maybe it's just like not as powerful. Maybe that's just like the thing modern wants. It's just like explosive power, less consistency, as opposed to blue red wizards, which seems like it's going to do the same thing pretty much every game. It's just not the most powerful archetype in the world yeah and and i i kind of understand that the lava spike versions of the arclight decks like okay like you're trying to work to rebuy the mono this, red version this three yeah. two or whatever and faithless city is actually kind like it's not a great in a burn deck but it's actually fine you know what i mean like you just start mm-hmm. extra lands or like especially if you have fire temper you can kind of make well, it into a card advantage card like oh well, it's going to be the fi- card advantage card that puts you know art like arc like phoenix in the the graveyard and fuels mm-hmm. your bedlam revelers so it actually yeah. like, works really well in that the the mono red deck even though you don't <laughs> necessarily uh you want to throw away resources usually yeah lava spike faithless it's a weird combination of cards <laughs> yeah yeah but bedlam revelers actually been their cards obviously very good don't get me wrong but it's been really slow and it kind of adds to that, like, clunkiness problem the deck has. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. And, like, Thin in the Ice and Arclight Phoenix is awkward, because, like, I guess you can flip Thin in the Ice, like, main phase one, and then get your Arclight back. But if you ever get Arclight back and then try to flip your thing, then you have to recast your Arclight or get it back in the graveyard. Like, I don't know. There's just a lot of weird things going on, and it's I think there, there will be there will be a good deck there at some point, but I don't know. It's it's interesting to see where it'll where it'll fall. Yeah, I don't think it's quite there yet. Although I do mm-hmm. see how it, it's very powerful. So um, I think a couple of number tweaks here and there, and you, you you could see this deck really perform. I like the card chart, of course. Um, I've been playing it with it a lot in standard. I've been playing uh, actually a, a blue red wizards deck in standard that I've. Yeah, I had had a lot of fun with, and it's been fairly consistent. So I think I'm gonna continue working on it. But Charter Course is is good. It's it's a very powerful card. You haven't seen it in like this deck specifically. It's able to to load multiple cards into the graveyard for Bedlam Reveler or Arclight Phoenix, as well as kind of act as like a you know a two mana draw to um, give a little bit of tempo once you're uh, ahead. Why like, don't the Arclight Phoenix's decks play Goblin Electromancer in them or Burrell? You know uh, what I mean, I, like you can play, like then your metamorphosis become insane. If you want to play risk factor, they become a little bit better. Like, yeah, I think the kinda... the main issue with it is like if you look at this specific deck, they have fiery temper, which they're trying to madness every time, which wouldn't get any like cost reduction. So the only cards that would actually be cost reduced in this deck are the four charter cores for metamorphosis. Um, it might be better in, I, I guess it would be better like towards the mono red deck where it had like some of the ritual effects too. But it's at that point. It's also like you know you have to make sure that you have blue mana in the mono red deck, and I, I see why they're not playing it. Um, it if you wanted to play it, then you could get away with having some more cards that have you know that that one colorless converted mana cost in them as, as far mm-hmm. as its and sorceries go. It sounds weird, but I almost feel like it'd be a really good sideboard card. Like Brawl against like Tron is probably really good, right? Like you're just. Okay, now I like you're not gonna be able to interact with this thing. Like, dismember's not gonna against my deck because I have twelve lightning bolts in it. You know, like maybe that's maybe that's like a post board juke that they could go towards. Yeah, like, just to be a turn faster. The mm-hmm. idea behind it. Huh, yeah, yeah, maybe. It's something to try at the very least. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe I'll fire up some magic online after the podcast. Um, what's up with this fairies deck in thirteenth place? Cool fairies. I love <sighs> some fairies. This is not. A, it's not a deck. Oh, you sound place. so unhappy, Chris. It's just like it's the always going to be that one random deck that shows up in the top of a tournament. Um, uh, I I don't see anything wrong with it. It just is a you know a blue black flash deck, and there's some powerful things going on. It's got Snapcaster Mage, Jace the Mind Sculptor, Liliana of the Veil, um, Fatal Push, some. Are you yeah, describing a legacy deck or? This is basically like a legacy deck, except, except with less playable cards. Except that, yeah, except that <laughs> Legacy has a bunch of free spells, and this one doesn't. Yeah, because <laughs> I just plays three like, and four drops. Spell Soda Sprite yeah, is exactly. insane, though. That's kind of like a free spell if you are in the market for playing a two-mana one-one flash, because you just attack on a counter spell. Yeah, I think this deck has this problem where it's like its absolute best curve will be, like, turn one uh, Inquisition or Fatal Push, and then, like, turn two Spell Stutter Sprite something. And, like, that, that doesn't seem half as powerful as, like... 90% of modern where they're like oh my best turn one is cycle street wraith faithless looting put two hollow ones into play or whatever yeah yeah i, I agree with that i mean i actually really like the idea of like with with bitter blossom there against like some of these like hollow one decks like you know you have these these blockers or whatever um bitter blossom seems pretty decent but it's like really slow against 
something like Ironworks Combo and Tron. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the fastest deck you can put on this with this is just turn three Liliana, I guess. It's like discard, yeah. counterspell, Liliana plus. There's got to be a reason can, this like, deck did well. Their hand. I mean, this the guy playing it, Yuta Takahashi, is also just insane. He's a really good player and just like... I think he's a PT top 8 and like a bunch of GP top 8s and he plays fairies a bunch. His his Twitter handle is Vendillion, which is really cool. Only one Vendillion put in his deck though. Not committed. Disappointing. <laughs> but and it's, it's interesting and, and like you were saying, the like, Bitter Blossom does seem good. The two heroes downfall, it's like... Or like, what? I get it. Like you're, you're killing Jace's and stuff with it, but... But the format's so not about that. Like right, it's like yes, I yeah exactly. Thank you. I'm like oh, you can kill Jace, sick. Like we just said, the ten most played cards caused one mana. Yeah, All right, I, sick I, format. Exactly, like, and like so many of these decks are going to present so many different threats by turn three that just need to be answered. I mean, like let's just say I'm using the example of uh, what's it called, the stupid bunny inquiry deck. Um, the uh, hollow one. Yeah, hollow one. I mean. He was down is just not going to do anything against him. You're, you're going to die. You're literally just going to die. So it's just, it's ridiculous. You'd rather have it something like Dismember. Especially when you have something like Liliana Veil and Hero's Downfall as like your your three drops. You like definitely need uh, Black Black on three for those cards. And you're still trying to cast Cryptic Command on four as Blue Blue Blue. But your deck has three Field of Runes in it as well. And two like Mutal Vaults. Two Mutal Vaults, three Field of Runes, and a Swamp. Eh, it's, eh. Yeah, I don't know. Three Tarpit also. So I would I'm think I'd rather I'd rather play this deck against like blue white control. That seems like a pretty solid matchup. But yeah. I think Death probably yeah. destroy blue white Death control. Shadow seems so much better in modern though. Just because I mean it has the game against everything, and even if they're playing something stu- like super proactive, you can just you just kill them. I mean, you can if even if you don't have team of battle age in your deck, you can still just get them dead on turn three or four, you know? Is Death Shadow and Bitter Blossom a combo or not a combo? Because I feel like you're like, all right, I'm at six, and you're like, oh, now I, this clock's taking on this Bitter Blossom. Really, <laughs> like you lose life. So, I would I would call it a combo, but I wrote an article about Nambos, and everyone said I didn't know where the Nambo was. So, listen, I I, I don't really know. Sword Splashers, Delver Secrets, Nambo. Yeah, Days. That is good. so. Days. Jason Mind Sculptor is the most ridiculous Nambo that nobody seems to want to admit. If you've ever played with them, it's ridiculous. You're just gonna like turn one. You're gonna day something like because you have to day something, and then you're like, oh, Jace, you're looking good on turn five. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> we could definitely have like a list of Nambos at some point during our podcast. It's like. <laughs> What are the the weirdest decks that won tournaments, and like why should they have not worked? <laughs> all the like path decks, all Liliana decks. Oh yeah, gouge my eyes out. Yeah, so what are you doing? Yeah, uh, but it does. I mean, Modern's in a yeah. Sweet I, I think I think uh, it would be remiss of us not to talk about the fourth place Infect deck because on this podcast, very lucky to have uh, Infect Master Chris Giuliano. On. So I feel like we should have Chris just comment on the Infect deck very quickly. All right, let me tell you about this Infect deck. Uh, it does not have 
Berserk or Invigorate, which is how I won almost all of my games. Damn it. <laughs> so close. <laughs> all, of, all of my spells were zero mana. So just um, cut all of the good cards for cards that are not nearly as good. Yeah. Uh, I think Invex's great in modern. Um, I, it's something that if I had the uh, blade, or the Noble Hierarchs, I probably would have already been playing. So it's something I should, I'm definitely thinking about building. It's, it's just punishes people for playing things like ironworks combo and Tron, where you're like trying to really not interact and like combo off and win on turn, you know, three or four. Like you're trying to like get to that spot. And in fact, just like doesn't care because they play Glistener Elf on turn one and they kill you two turn two turns later, or they play a noble hierarch on one and they kill you two, <laughs> two turns later. Yeah. And just looking at this deck list, outside of blinded agent and the one spell kite, just everything is one man. Literally the entire deck is one man. Which is yeah. really nice. Oh yeah, this is very mana efficient. I mean, that almost makes mana. Inkmoth like Nexus cost one mana, honestly. Yeah, basically. Yeah, it really doesn't only... tap for mana. That one costs two mana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <more or> <laughs> you have to use the land to attack with it too. Yeah, so like, I mean, I I, I like the the pick for Kazu Negri. He I think he's been playing on the SCG tour for or played on the SCG tour for a little bit. Um got his, his name while playing Storm earlier in the year, I think. And uh, Jeskai Control. I think he's done well with Jeskai Control on the SCG tour as well. Okay, so yeah, he's he's been floating around on a couple different decks, but I'm not surprised to see... Uh, he's been doing really well in Modern. I'm not surprised to see his name up there on the list uh, on this in the top eight, so uh, congrats to him to getting on the, the Pro Tour. I, I like this, this pick. Um, would probably play it myself. The, the deck looks great. There's, there's enough combination of uh graveyard hate in the sideboard um hate in, in general with like spell pierce uh just to to give you a mana efficient way to deal with anyone who's trying to do other combo uh nonsense and then wild defiance spell skites and shaper sanctuary to grind through the decks that are trying to kill all of your creatures which just a, there aren't that balanced. many of. there aren't that many um but it looks like a all-time low i think Jeskai control, basically nowhere yeah. to be seen. And I find you're a lot better against blue white than something like Jeskai. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Um, I. What's your opinion on the two dissenters deliverance in the sideboard? I know I've I've liked this card in the deck before, but should we I, just have four nature slams? Like, is that? Um, no. I I liked I played one dissenters deliverance in the legacy one, which obviously it's a little bit different. Um, but the nice thing about Dissenter's Deliverance as opposed to Nature's Claim is the random times you run into uh, Chalice, it gives you yeah, a little bit more of a, a feel against it. Like, look, at we were just saying before, the whole deck cost one. It makes it a little bit tougher to, to beat a Chalice. Um, but it also has that, that upside of, you know, you get to cycle it if you really need a pump spell or you need to fuel a card for Become Immense or, you know, there's just, like, no artifacts out. <laughs> you just want to get a fresh card. So it, it's flexible, and I do like the, the split between them. Um, like, there's not a ton of straight enchantments that you really want to kill um, that, like, Nature's Claim would, would deal with. Um, so, like, it's mainly just a mana efficiency thing, and both of them kind of cost one. One, it's like, if you really need to kill the artifact, you can pay two for Dissenter's Deliverance, and it, it just diversifies your uh, your cards a little bit more. Um, yeah, I like it. I I don't know how many copies of destroy target artifact you really need but the split seems fine to me yeah it's definitely interesting kazu's also a great uh follow on twitter definitely a pretty pretty funny human um just want to touch on these hardened scales darts 
this is a deck that I started playing a little bit this week. First off, math is way harder than I realized when I started playing this deck. Um, lots of counting. But I think the adaptation of animation animation module um, 3 seems like a lot to me, just because it's, it's kind of slow on its own or whatever, but 1 or 2 definitely seems correct at the very least. Um, it's a card that just is really, really good against the Hollow One decks and any other aggressive decks. Um, I'll just read it, just because you guys probably haven't seen it since Taladash Limited. Um, it's a one-mana artifact that says whatever one or more plus one plus one counters you uh, are placed on a permanent you control, you may pay one. If you do, create a 1-1 one, one servo token. Um, and then three tap, and you can choose a counter on target permanent or player and give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So kind of like proliferate, um, but only on one thing instead of a bunch of things. Um, yeah, it's a it's a cool card. It's a really cool combo with Arcbound Ravager. You basically just can pay one mana and put a put plus one plus one counter on Arcbound Ravager, and it gives you a pretty a pretty long game. Um, and the and Christopher Larson's deck in the top eight has no Throne of Death, which is kind of like the other card that was like typically like a value kind of like two drop artifact. Um, so it's interesting to see all of the animation modules and no no Throne of Deaths in his seventy five. So. But I think this is a deck that's good going forward. It it can kill pretty quickly. It's good against like the other aggressive creature decks. It can get way bigger than your opponent's creatures really quickly. Hainerback Walker's incredible in those matchups. Walking Ballista kills everything. Um, you have Ancient Strains and Mox Opal, two of the best cards in the format. Ancient Strains finds all these great sidebar cards for you. Two, two, two Tormod's Crypt, two Grafted's Cage, three uh, Damping Sphere, two Spell State. Let's not um, forget that you can also play the number one card in modern right now, Nature's Claim, in your board. There we yeah, go. four. Four Nature's Claim. Yeah. I mean, your deck is also very bad against Nature's Claim. So that's <laughs> like, hey, you win some, you win some, you lose some. You know? it's, but, it's not actually as bad against Nature's Claim as nah. as you think on when you look at it. Like, obviously, you don't want your Archimedes Ravager to get Nature's Claimed or whatever your target for uh, Ravager is. Or, sorry, your Seal Overseer or whatever your target for Ravager is. But, like... If once you have like the something down there, like Hangerback Walker is not a great target for it. Um, when you start to put things on it, they're gonna have to blow it up, or else you're gonna get a, a bunch of thopters for it. Um, Walking Ballista, they're, they're still gonna do some damage on the way out. Um, and there's plenty of welding jars. There's like three welding jars in the main deck of this thing. So, yeah, I, it's and like killing a, an Arc Brown Worker when they have something else out doesn't really feel great. So they can always you can always play that slow game of apply pressure with while gradually building your board, and then when they have to start using Nature's Claims to actually pick off your creatures, then you can you know, get some value out of them. Yeah, it really tries to just go after the hardened scales, because that's like, there's yeah. no real redundancy on that effect. But yeah. if you play smart, you can kind of maneuver it, where you're like, all right, play my other stuff, and then play hardened scales, and then try to like go in for a combo kill. Yeah, it's the difference but... between like Nature's Claim versus this and... Uh, Stony Silence versus Classic Affinity. Like, one of them was mm. like, oh, and Nature's Claim here is like, oh, we can, we're still playing the game. <laughs> right. It's not like a... It doesn't slam the door or whatever. Yeah, I really a... like the combination of Welding Jar and Artifact Hate cards, like Grafter's Cage or Damping Sphere. She's like, oh, you have to draw so many more Nature's Claims now to deal with my, my hate pieces or whatever. Um, I, I really like that combination. But I think I think Hardened Stales is a super good... I think it's a super reasonable good choice and if people 
um, move more into like the damping sphere angle to try to cover these big mana decks and damping sphere is pretty good against iron words combo. Um, I just see hard styles even getting better as long as people stop. As long if people aren't playing stunning silence, the stat just gets better and better. So definitely seems like a reasonable choice. And there and it popped up a lot and it hasn't been doing a ton before this tournament and because it started loaded as blue white. But Blue Eyes kind of fallen out of the format, so Arden Steel's trying to creep back in. So maybe it's a time to play some Archbound Workers. All right, anything else you guys want to touch on from this modern tournament? Lots of lots of cool stuff. Lots of weird stuff. There's a Mavaldi Acid Moss sighting in this uh, tape shift. Yeah, big, big fan yeah. of that one. That's a good one. That's that's a wild one. I like that. I, uh, I think I am. I think I'm pretty set on this. I definitely an interesting top thirty-two for uh, for a Grand Prix. Modern continues to have a bunch of sweet tech that comes, you know, week mm-hmm. after week, uh, always evolving. Um, I'm get, we're getting to the spot where there are so many different decks that you can play at any given week that it, it something showing up that hasn't been seen in a while is is usually um, not so surprising as it's a little bit refreshing. Yeah, Seeing, like, it's the, like, more than normal, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. But they're all killing you on turn four. So let's <laughs> yeah. Let the, every, every every single game is decided by like turn three and a half. So it's like oh, like look at we have all these different flavors of ice cream, and you're like, well, it's still all ice cream, so it's really not that different. <laughs> like, all right, um, all right, cool. Yeah, uh, I think that'll wrap it up for us this uh, this week, guys. I, should we do a quick hit if we're playing in regionals? What we oh like? yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, let's pop around the room and see. I guess. Um, let's do all three formats. Let's do, uh, the old Legacy Modern Standard quick hits. So, if you guys want to take a moment to prepare your answers. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm ready. Alright, Chris, go ahead if you're ready. Alright, um, in Standard, I'd probably play one of these mono-white decks splashing heroic reinforcements. I think it's really sweet. And my Blue Red Wizards deck is not quite ready yet, but it's, it seems very powerful. So I'd I'd stick with a red-white deck. Um, in modern, if I was playing tomorrow, I'd probably play Burn. I just love that deck, and I haven't played it in a while. And in Legacy, I would play whatever somebody hands me because Ooh. I don't own a lot of. I, the, the, it's very cost prohibitive format to get into. Okay, um, I'm just gonna build whatever I want for you and give it to you tomorrow. I, yeah, if, if, you, if you build that. Antiquities War Mono Blue deck. I will play. It oh, I don't have the cards. That's what that, Tom. That's what I. That's what we originally asked for. We we asked Rich to see if he can give me Mono Blue Painter Antiquities, and I was and uh, it did not happen because he does not have the cards. It's killer. Shame. Yeah, but but I'd, I'd play anything. Um, if I had to play through what I own, which is just like Mono Red Sneak Attack Burn, and then like Blue Red, like Blue Red Delver without Volcanic Islands, I'd probably just play burn <laughs> mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, rich what's your what are your choices okay i think in standard i play boros angels i kind of like the way it's positioned mm-hmm. i like the way the deck's built i like the strategy um it seems like it has a lot of different directions it can go and like the ability to sideboard like out a bunch of creatures and in a bunch of removal i just kind of like that style of play um i think if i was playing regionals i'd play grix's death shadow over Band Spirits, even though I think Band Spirits is really good. I just think Crypt's Shadow with like two team of Battle Rage is gonna be better for me at a tournament. I haven't played that much modded recently, but I'm pretty reasonable with Crypt's Death Shadow. 
And uh, I'll keep up the Grixis yeah, legacy, that, and I'll say Grixis control. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Grixis control lately, just trying to test a bunch of different decks, and that deck has seemed pretty good to me so far. So I play some Grixis control legacy. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I think I would go with the um, green white explorer, trying to like march of the multitudes deck that Sam Black played at GP New Jersey. I think it lines up well. Just the Boros uh, weeding decks. And I think it's pretty decent, actually, against the Arclight decks. Um, that matchup might be a little bit harder, though. But if the Boros decks are pretty big, I think that's a good choice. In Modern, I would probably play Hardened Scales, or I might just dredge people. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think that in paper, people aren't respecting dredge enough, which is a weird... I don't know, maybe that distinction isn't real, but I think for regionals, I think you're fine playing dredge. I think it's a good tournament where super open field, and you play some ley lines, and hopefully kill their ley lines, and you'll be all right. Um, and in Legacy, I would probably play Dredge or um, Slow to Medium Turbo Depths. Probably Medium Speed Turbo yeah, Depths. Yeah, Medium Depths. But, yeah, Medium Depths. That's, so that's, that's my pick for that. But All right, cool. So that'll wrap up our show this week. We got a great weekend of Magic upcoming. We got all these SEG Regional events t- coming in, the Pro Tour, and, yeah, it'll be great. Moto events. Just play some Magic, guys. Play some Mo- uh, Magic Online or Magic Arena. Are we going to go over every single regional top eight decklist from across the country in our next podcast? Should we lock that in now? I, <laughs> uh, I won't be around this week, so... <laughs> we'll go over the whole top eight then. There we go. <laughs> All right, perfect. 75 cards. Let's come up with the top eight top eight enough. of the regionals. That, that will be our show. All right, all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine picking through it and being like, these are the eight coolest stacks or whatever, like... I'm, I'll do that, but I'm not, I'm not talking about the 12th copy of Tron <laughs> or whatever we see. Um, but yeah, the PT will be sweet. I'm pretty excited for that. So, All right, guys, that'll wrap it up for this week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. My name is Connor Bryant. You can find me at Connor of the Pure. Christopher Giuliano is here. He is at MTG, And we've got Rich Tally at Learn to Love 66 and you can actually check out Rich's most recent legacy article on flipsidegaming.com. And yeah, we really appreciate it. Hope you guys subscribe, follow, um, check us out on Facebook, whatever. Check out flipsidegaming.com's content. Lots of great sales up there as well. So we will see you guys next week. We appreciate you listening. Take care. Bye. Peace. Peace.